So lovely to have church family in the auditorium this morning, as well, of course, as at home. I just talked with someone a moment ago that said, Pastor, first time in 10 and a half months we've been in the auditorium. Kind of feels like we're having a family reunion. And uh, how good to see from Melbourne as well uh, today, Bethany and Melissa, you guys. And, you know, on our screen today, we had double screens, so you were twice as beautiful as, as no- Belinda was too. Uh, seeing Belinda up there twice on the screen today was, was lovely. So please take a seat, or if you're at home, you can lay down your cereal spoon right now and move the milk over to the side and look, uh, uh, you know, and lean in with us or wherever you are. What a joy to be with you today. Well, the Bible teaches us that the devil wants to diss you. I didn't know that was a real word until a few weeks ago, but it is. He wants to diss you. And you know, the truth is he wants to diss you so that he can devour you. Now, that's just the plan because, you know, he's a destroyer. So he wants to dish you. He wants to devour you. He wants to destroy you. You might be saying, Pastor, why are you you talking like this? Because you are not on a playing field. You are on a battlefield. And you need to wake up every single day to the thought and to the reality and to the fact that there is a spiritual battle going on. And there is someone who wants to dish you. And there is someone who wants to devour you. And there is someone who wants to destroy everything you have. So I want to equip you. I want to equip myself today that we live big and bold and that we win in this life. And so in Revelation chapter 12 and in verse 10, we read that he accuses us day and night before God. Day and night before God. And then we read in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 that the devil, one translation says it like this, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. I remember when we first came to Australia in the 80s, I took the kids out to the Featherdale Wildlife Park. Saw for the first time in my life a Tasmanian devil. And he was just like that. He was roaming incessantly. He was just, I thought, dude, chill. Where are you going? He was just, he had a path. He had a path like that. The Bible says that's what the devil's like. He is like a roaring lion, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion, seeking some prey to devour. So the devil disses you and desires to devour you. And Jesus says in John 10.10 that he is a thief that has come to steal, kill, and destroy you. So we do not live in some kind of a spiritual bubble But we fight in a spiritual battle. And we read all of the New Testament teaches this to us. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13, therefore, therefore, because we're not in some kind of spiritual bubble, but we are in a spiritual battle, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, to stand, to withstand. One of the ways to withstand is to understand. One of the ways that we stand and we withstand is we understand the devil's devices. 
And we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11 that Satan should, least, least Satan should take advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. Divide, this is real. And this is every day. I love what Melissa was saying about opening our Bible every day. Why? Because we're in the battle every day. In the old ancient book, The Art of War, by Sun Tzu, he says this. This is one of his famous quotes from that old book. Know your enemy and know yourself, and you can fight a hundred battles without disaster. So here's what we know. We know that the devil wants to dish you and then he wants to dismiss you. We know he wants to disqualify you. We know that he wants you in disunity, disharmony, and dissension. We know that he wants you disappointed. And we also know that in that disappointment, he wants you discouraged, disillusioned, disheartened. And then last week, we talked about how the devil wants you dissatisfied. He wants you dissatisfied. The devil wants to dis your satisfaction. And we learned some of his devices, how he does this last week, because he uses comparison and then compromise. We found out that his goal is a restless soul. Because restless soon turns to reckless. But we also found that the remedy, the remedy is to have a sanctified and satisfied life. Paul told Timothy that, that, that he would have a life with godliness and true contentment. Sanctified and satisfied, set apart and content in life. And we found out that, by the way, that's the greatest wealth that we could have. You couldn't have enough property or possessions to even come close to the satisfaction that a sanctified and satisfied life can bring you. And we learned last week that the way we live that way is that we count our blessings, not compare our life. We also learned that we comprehend the truth that there is absolutely nothing in this world that can satisfy. And then we learned that we must constantly continually drink deep droughts of God because that is when my soul is satisfied. So here's what we know. The devil wants to dish you. He wants you dismissed, disqualified, in dissension, disunity, disappointment, and dissatisfied. And today, I want to show you how the devil wants you distant. I want to show you how the devil wants you distanced from God and how hard he works at this. He wants to dis your stance. The Bible said stand. We read that earlier. And having done all to stand. Yeah, well, the devil wants to dis your stance. And he wants you to live your life distanced from God. He wants you to live distant from Jesus. And we see this 
in the life of Peter. So let's look at his life. First off, look at Peter's stance. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13 through 16, we read this. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? And they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you, sir, are the Christ, the son of the living God. Strong stance. That's a good place to stand. Would you say amen? Now, another time, approaching the cross. And Jesus has already told Peter how that the devil wants to diss his stance. He said he wanted to sift him like wheat. So this is no secret. We already know this. But Peter says to Jesus in Matthew 26 and verse 35, even if I have to die, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. So this was Peter's stance. It was strong. It was solid. It was sincere. The devil wanted to diss his stance. The devil wanted Peter to follow Jesus at a distance. And so, there in Gethsemane, on that fateful night, when Jesus is about to give his life, we read in Luke chapter 22, verse 52, Jesus says to the chief priests, the captains of the temple, and the elders who had come to him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and with clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. How did that happen? I have a revelation of who you are and I am ready to die with you. How Did that happen? How do you go from a bold stance and a strong stance and a solid stance to a distance? How did the devil diss Peter's stance and get him to follow distantly? How does a man or a woman who follows close to Jesus, maybe for years, begin to lag further and further behind. Oh, still following him, but at a distance. And I wanna show you the three devices that the devil uses to diss your stance or to distance you from God. And don't think for one minute you're exempt. The first is guilt. The devil will diss your stance with this 
device called guilt. You know, last week we talked about David and Bathsheba and the terrible sin of murdering Uriah. But we also have in the 51st Psalm, David's cry, his broken heart cry and his prayer of repentance. And we read in that 51st Psalm these words, and this is David trying to express to God his heart after this terrible sin. In verse 9 through 11, David says this, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And now watch this. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. David knew that his sin could separate him from God and that guilt could distance him or cast him away from God's presence. He was so aware of that. Satan will use guilt to dish your stance and to cause there to be a distance between you and God. Secondly, he uses fear. This is a device of the devil to distance us from God. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, God comes into the garden to walk with Adam and to walk with Eve. And they heard, verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to Adam and he said, where are you? Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Adam hid or distanced himself from God because he was afraid. He had guilt and he had fear. The devil will use guilt and fear to diss your stance, no matter how bold it is, no matter how sincere it is, no matter how strong it is. He will use these devices to diss your stance and distance you from God. Number three, he will use doubt. Doubt. In John chapter one, in verse 29, we read this amazing account. The next day, John the Baptist, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You see, that statement, that moment is what John was born for. He literally was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb for that moment. Every day of his life brought him to this day he was born for. And yet, sometime later, arrested and in prison, feeling forgotten and forsaken, 
John sends these words to Jesus. In Luke chapter 7 and verse 20. And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one? Are you the one? Or should we look for someone else? From you are the one to are you the one? Doubt distanced John from Jesus. Sometimes God doesn't just act the way we think he should. John finds himself in prison, alone and abandoned. Sometimes we don't understand something, maybe in the Bible. Maybe we have questions that we just haven't got answers to. Or somebody comes up to us and says, why, why, why this or why that? And like John the Baptist, that doubt can make us feel distanced from God. The devil used all three of these devices to diss Peter's stance. He used guilt, he used fear, and he used doubt. So, what do we do when we find ourselves like Peter? Guilty, fearful, doubtful, and distanced from God. I read somewhere this quote. Somebody said, if you feel far from God, guess who moved? So I want to show you today the one solution to all three of the devil's strategies to keep you from being close to God. If you're not close to God, can I tell you, you were made to be close to him. The Bible exhorts you. The Bible exhorts me to draw near to God, draw near to God. We should draw near to God every single day. The Bible says in James chapter 4 and verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. If your life, if you find yourself at a time or season now in life where you are distanced from God, not for further than you've been, you used to be closer than you need to draw near to God. So how do we do that? How do you draw near? One word. How do you defeat the devil's dissing your stance with God? One word. And it's in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22, here's what it says. Let us draw near. So we certainly know the context of this scripture. This is about drawing near to God. This is what we're talking about. This is how we overcome the distance. We draw near. But this scripture shows us the key. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance. And here's the word. Of faith. Faith. Faith, this is how we fight our battles. Faith. We do not draw near to God with our feelings. We draw near to God with our faith. 
In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 12, it says, in whom we have boldness and access and confidence through faith in him. My feelings, my feelings can be fickle and fragile and faithless. Guilt is a feeling. Fear is a feeling. Doubt is a feeling. Living your life by your feelings is the same as building your house on the sand. There is nothing more unreliable or unstable or unpredictable than how I'm going to feel on any given day. So when the devil uses guilt to diss my stance with God, to distance me from God, this is what I do. Romans chapter 3 and verse 30. This is what I do. God eliminates our guilt and makes us right with him by faith no matter who we are. I do not know that my guilt is gone by my feelings. I do not know my guilt is gone by my intuition. I do not know my guilt is gone by looking in the mirror. I know it by faith. By faith I draw near to God, knowing, believing that he has freed me from my guilt and the penalty of my sin. Instead of the devil using my guilt to distance me from God, I use my faith to draw near to God. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24, we are declared free of the guilt of sin and its penalty and placed in right standing with God by faith. By faith. When guilt drags me from God, faith draws me near God. The devil wants to diss your stance with guilt, and he wants to diss your stance with fear, but you defy him and you deny him with your faith. Whether it's guilt or fear, faith is how I draw near. In Hebrews 11 and verse 6, it says this, and without faith, come on, Christian, it's faith. That's why you read your Bible. That's why you build yourself up in your most holy faith. That's why you're in the house of God today. That's why you're in the word of God today. Because if you think that you as a lazy Christian are going to somehow lay hold of the victory, you're wrong. Because there is a devil that will diss you so that he can devour you and destroy you. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God, here it is, here it is, whoever would draw near to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. When guilt and fear are devices used to distance me from God, what is my answer? It's my faith. And what do I do when the devil disses my stance with doubt? Doubt 
is part of the life of faith. There is no faith without some sense of doubt. As a matter of fact, we read in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, now faith is the substance of the things I hope for, but I can't see it. It's the evidence of things I can't see, the element of doubt. This is what faith is. And let me say this to you, Christian, because the devil does not want you to hear this because he will mess with you over your doubts. Let me tell you the truth. Doubt is not a deal breaker. As a matter of fact, one of the greatest things about being a Christian for a long time is having worked through and lived through a lot of my doubts. And the most amazing thing happens when those doubts have been explained or I've worked through or I've seen something and all of a sudden that which had been a deep hole of doubt now becomes a strong hill of faith for me. It's like, it, it's like oh my goodness, thank you God, I have an answer to that. And it's like it's just reinforced me. Doubts eventually make our faith strong. In Psalm 94 and verse 19, when doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. Now you just think about this. Peter doubted. John the Baptist doubted. Thomas doubted. And it almost seems that in the Garden of Gethsemane, it almost seems like even Jesus doubted. And after the resurrection, in Matthew 28 and verse 16, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, when the 11 saw him alive from the cross, alive from the grave, alive from the dead, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. What? They're looking at him. But those 11, including the doubters, eventually went on to change the world. I've doubted. I've had questions that I couldn't get answers to. I've had passages of scripture in the Bible I don't understand. I've not been able to answer people's questions, the why questions. I have had many doubts in my 58 years as a Christian, but I have never given in to my doubts. And this is what Jesus said to Thomas. In John 20, verse 27, looking into Thomas's eyes, he said, put your finger here in the wounds of my hands and put your hand into my wounded side and see for yourself. Thomas, don't give in to your doubts. I don't deny them. They're real. But I don't give in to them. We don't give in. We work through. We don't give in to our doubts. We work through our doubts. Come on until we can come to a place of intellectual satisfaction and heartfelt thank you, God. Here's what Paul said. 
He said in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now, for now, we see through a glass darkly, but then we'll see face to face. He said, now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. What's Paul saying? The Passion says it this way, for now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror, but one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything. I don't doubt that. For now, I don't get it all. I don't see it all. I don't know it all and I don't understand it all. But I see enough and I know enough and I understand enough to believe that God is and that God is good and that God is love and that God is right. And I want to live as close to him as I possibly can. In intimacy, in friendship, and in fellowship. Do not live your life distant from God. Draw near to him. And he will draw near to you. Don't let guilt or fear or doubts distance you from God. Instead, let faith form you and fill you and focus you as you draw near to him.